Welcome to Sync Music Matters, a podcast that explores the beautiful relationship between music and the moving image. My name's Jim Hostrip and I'm your host on this journey, as each week I chew the fat with industry professionals who, on a daily basis, work with music for visuals. Now you might immediately assume that I'm talking about composers, but I'm also talking about editors, music supervisors, directors and anyone else who's involved with the synchronous process of pairing audio and visuals. In today's episode, I'm talking to trailer composer and sound designer, Rolf Anton Kruger. That piece of music is called Dark Arts, was written by me and is courtesy of the lovely people at AudioSocket ASX. So today's episode is quite different, certainly in terms of format, to anything that's come before. Um, there's a number of different reasons for this, but primarily because actually I conducted this interview with Rolf um, way before kind of Sync Music Matters had probably properly formed in its in, in, into what it is today. Um, but I wanted to include it in the series because I had an incredible conversation with Rolf. Um, I think he's a phenomenal composer um, and there's some really interesting insights in the interview. So in terms of format, this is somewhere between a musical musing and a sort of normal interview. I ask Rolf questions and he responds, but then I sort of musically muse, if you will, or expand on what he said in terms of what interesting learnings can be drawn from it. So I'm classing it as a musical musing rather than a uh, an interview, although it has elements of both. Sometimes when I listen to a piece of music, it speaks to me in a way that other pieces don't. I can appreciate the other pieces, but there's just something about a particular piece of music which resonates with me. And that's how I became aware of Rolf's music. Um, In a catalogue of trailer music, every track that I fell in love with was written by him. Um, And I don't even know why. I, during the course of our conversation talking to him, it sounds to me like Rolf almost leaves a little piece of his soul in every piece of music that he writes, and that might be it. But I can't intellectualise it, I just feel it. Um, which is why I reached out to Rolf uh, and was keen to have a, a conversation with him. Um, if you get a chance to listen to his music, I highly um, recommend it. There'll be links in the show notes to where you can do so. Um, but yes, very different. We don't go into the skin. There's no getting a taste, but I have a really great conversation with Rolf um, and start to understand a little bit more about his um, his process um, and how he goes about writing beautiful music. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a chat with Rolf Kruger. Oh, and BTW, if you enjoy the podcast and you do get a chance to give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, I'd be hugely grateful because it just helps the podcast reach as many people as possible. Thanks. Rolf Kruger is a groundbreaking trailer composer and master of sound design. Rolf started cutting his musical teeth back in 1993, working for the label Selected Sound, with whom he spent 20 years as one of their top composers. In 2013, Rolf's love of movies led him to the US-based trailer music house X-Ray Dog, founded by Mitch Lejewski. Since then, Rolf has had trailer cuts with Avengers Infinity War, Paddington, Mary Poppins, Playing With Fire, Split, Fantasy Island, The Shallows, and the list goes on. Uh, You may also have heard his music in ads for The American Horror Story, the American Crime Story, and probably anything else with the words The American in the title. In 2018, Rolf won Best Trailer Production Music Track with his track The Promise at the Production Music Awards. Rolf is currently writing for the Atomic Overture catalogue, and you can hear a veritable plethora of Rolf's work with BMG and Universal Production Music. So the first question I kind of 
wanted to ask all of my guests was how they describe what they do specifically when they're kind of talking to someone who doesn't work within the same industry in the same sphere as them because i think that's always quite a quite quite telling um and this is uh, how uh, rolf explains what he does okay let me see i would say um i'm a movie trailer composer telling a highly dynamic musical story within two and a half minutes to give the movie the best possible support in advance. The second question I put to Rolf, and I kind of put to all my guests again, is how you get started, because I know certainly when I cast my mind back into a lot of the people, the sort of interns that I have contact with, a lot of people, the burning question is, how do I get into the music industry? How do I how do I get started? So that was the question I next put to Rolf, was how did you get started, Rolf? Well, Jim, I never studied music. It, it's the famous learning by doing. I started playing um, uh, a kind of keyboard when I was four years old and then growing up in the 80s I formed or joined some funk and soul bands being a you know songwriter and the man behind the keys. In the early 90s I was believe it or not hosting a local radio show and of course we needed some some kind of music beds in the background and by listening to that tracks I thought hey Rolf maybe you have some better ideas so that's how I got in contact with the library music publisher selected sound in Hamburg represented by EMI music and I did a lot of TV and advertising stuff that time all over the world and pretty soon I had a really good and successful time and now no not now I mean six years ago from now I became aware of x-ray dog music in Los Angeles there I met one of the founders Mitch Lievsky who opened those fantastic trailer business doors for me and it's so great to have him beside me as a friend and absolute competent experienced mentor I I owe him my whole success as a trailer composer. I think there's two very interesting points there. One, the fact that Rolf um, has no kind of formal training or education in music, um, which is great. I'm very much the similar. I've studied music, I've studied clarinet, but I've never studied composition or music production properly, um, which is great because I think that just does goes to show that if you have the right desire and motivation and you work hard enough at it you can make make things happen um and the second interesting thing there is about Rolf finding a fan now whilst i am always an advocate of you are your biggest fan and you need to be proactive and opening doors for yourself um undeniably if you find someone who really likes what you do and they're in a position of power to open doors for you that can be invaluable and Rolf obviously found that in Mitch Lejewski, um of, of X-Ray Dog. Um, so yeah, a couple of really um, interesting points to sort of bear in mind there. The next question I sort of put to Rolf was uh, about the process. I'm always interested in how people sit down and start to write. Um, you know, some people go for a walk, some people go to a museum, some people just consume a huge uh, Spotify playlist. Um, but yeah, so Rolf, you know, how do you, uh, what's your process when you sit down to make music? First of all, in the in the very beginning, I'll have to check where to go today. That means, as you can imagine, there are certain standards you'll have to deliver as a trailer composer. Uh, let's say family entertainment, Disney stuff, action, horror, uplifting. So if this is clear, 
The inspiration usually flows through my fingertips on the keyboard and it's absolutely amazing how how normal this happens. It's almost like, let's say, a carpenter wants to build a new table or chair or whatever and he knows every step to reach his goal quickly. And I'm really grateful that in my case the creativity simply gets going when when um, when, I, when I push the mental button. I already can hear the track inside my head. I'll just have to move towards it. And massive, important in that workflow is to have right from the beginning the best possible sounds that brings your writing quickly from one point to to the next further musical process. And in these days, right now, we're living in everything as a as a producer is possible right out of the box you can find anything you want just you just have to find the right connection between all of them i think sometimes some people talk about waiting for inspiration to strike before sitting down and making music and what rolf does and this is something i'm sort of a huge advocate of myself is actually sitting down to write the music will lead to finding that inspiration. And I think that applies to any creative pursuit. The idea of waiting for a sort of a creative idea before doing anything um, doesn't really work. It's a question of sitting down and sort of messing around and noodling around on a piano or a guitar, whatever your instrument is. And from that, ideas will come and inspiration will start to flow. Um, the other thing that sort of Rolf picks up on there, which I think is really important and I kind of wanted to emphasize, is the idea that... Um, you know, the, the, there are some amazing samples out there, some incredibly good quality sample libraries out there. And increasingly, particularly with the trailer industry, but also within production music, the bar is very high in terms of quality. Essentially, we as composers, producers, are expected to sound create something that sounds like it was recorded at Abbey Road with the London Philharmonic Orchestra, when in actual fact it was possibly recorded, you know, uh, programmed in your bedroom as you sat in your underwear. Um but the quality of samples are really good um, and it's about making them, making the end product sound as close to the real thing as possible. And to that end, he was talking about, you know, the quality of the samples. It is important to have good sounding samples. Um, I have been working with someone recently. Their composition is phenomenal, but unfortunately the quality of the samples they're using limits what can be done even in the mix to make it sound realistic because the, the samples themselves just aren't good enough. So, um, yeah, a couple of interesting points uh, to come out of that. Um, something I'm always fascinated as well with people is, um, in terms of how they work is a, are they, do they binge, um, or do they dip in and out? So I have friends who will literally sit down and will disappear for like weeks at a time onto a project because they will literally live eat and breathe nothing but that project i'm a bit more of a kind of like dipping and out kind of guy i like to maintain fairly regular routine hours um if i didn't i'd probably never see my wife um so yeah that was the question i put to rolf you know where, where, how do you work rolf are you a binger or you do you dip in and out <laughs> i'm telling you you will be surprised jim most of the time here in my studio i'm all by myself and and ever since i can remember i've had a normal nine to five day from Monday till Friday, including, of course, a one-hour lunch break. You know, for me, the, the, the free time around it is also a part of the writing process. My family is important, and, and for sure I will have one or two ideas in between. At the beach, being with my daughter, playing with my son, 
and these ideas I try out in the studio the next day. So to get back to the to the point of your question, I start a new project and I will stay with it, including those breaks I mentioned, until I reached the end which was already in my head. So I loved hearing that, not least because I always feel like by me trying to maintain a regular routine, I'm kind of weird in that way. But the fact that Rolf does it is what I mean about hearing affirmation and hearing Rolf does the same um, is great. But also I think what's really interesting there, I heard a quote recently um, that said, when you see me staring out the window, that's when I'm doing my best creative work. And it's the idea that as a creative, you don't actually have to be sat you know, in the weeds, in the thick of it, to be creative. But he's talking about the time that he goes off and spends with his family. You know, it's still there in his brain. He's mulling it around. And actually, you know, interesting ideas come during that time period. So, um, yeah, I also find that, that sometimes, you know, stopping and break and having some food, all of a sudden, like, an arrangement will come to me whilst I'm, whilst I'm having some food in a way that it didn't when I was sat there slogging away at a keyboard. So, um, really interesting point there. Now, I think... One of the tricky things about being a composer and producer is the idea that you're balancing art and commerce. On the one hand, you're an artist and you want to create art, but on the other hand, quite often you're getting paid to do so and it's someone else's vision. So my question to Rolf was, Rolf, how do you balance that or tread that fine line between art and commerce? Um, to be honest, I never thought about whether my work has more of a commercial or artistic claim. I am not in conflict with it. I am happy to, to, to earn money with my music. This is not a matter of course for me. I am, I am very aware of that and, and grateful. So for me, there's no, no, no balance at all. I'm looking, I'm looking for the perfect combination of, of sound, of instrumentation, of punch, uh, of writing or producing. You know what I mean? The track simply, simply has to work. It has to, to, it has to catch your heart and your soul. And if you, you really have nailed this, then you see the appropriate pictures popping up in your fantasy, ju just, just by listening. Um, I, I want to amaze people at best even including me. <laughs> and maybe that's that's how art feeds the commerce. I don't know. So I think what's really interesting there is that um, Rolf doesn't separate the two, doesn't separate the art and commerce. And I think maybe that's why there's, I find there's so much soul in his music is because he, he's putting his um, soul into it. Um, however, that said, you know, when Rolf writes trailer music, Rolf is very much aware of you know, the three-act structure and the certain sort of arrangement elements that generally go into trailer music. Um, interestingly, even when I listen to kind of a, some of his own sort of funk and soul stuff, I actually hear those trailer elements in it as well, the big stop-downs and the rises into stuff. Um, so that's really interesting um, that for him, the art and the commerce is, is kind of one and the same. Another thing I always think about, you know, being a composer, whilst obviously it's primarily about making the music there is a huge element in terms of um relationships um managing relationships creating relationships um and i sort of was interested to know um from rolf how he you know how he approaches those relationships looking back i must say uh, 
that a that a lot of work related contacts has turned into friendships thank god i'll need a friend as an advisor i appreciate the advice from outside in in the assessment of my work it's been like this all my musical life i am a person who loves most to work alone in the studio to write to produce to mix to master i prefer to do that on my own but in between or at the end of this of this chain i am glad i'm really glad to share the progress with my friends and family absolutely important for me amen brother i uh, massively <laughs> massively uh, enjoy working in the studio on my own to the point where that's why i stopped actually working with artists um because for me my best creative time is when i'm in a room on my own with no windows and uh, just a camera to talk to or a microphone but yeah um but interesting i think something i picked up on the beginning of what rolf was saying there is the idea that um the business relationships business contacts and also friendships and it's the idea of you know not not forcing relationships is actually i think with the i, I if any, any of you read any of my blog posts you'll know what i talk about um networking i hate the term networking because it sounds so corporate and so kind of um you know premeditated whereas actually community building is like where actually if you're meeting like-minded people and, and natural relationships are forming because you have something in common with those people that is a much more powerful um relationship than one which is born out of purely like well i can get something out of you or vice versa um so yeah that was that was interesting to hear um, another interesting um idea obviously kind of rolf talks about um spending a lot of time in the studio on his own don't we all um i was interested to know kind of whether he outsources things or whether he literally does everything himself himself i think i certainly have felt the pressure in the past to kind of do everything myself because that's my job but in actual fact i've found huge benefit in outsourcing elements of the process particularly those that a other people are better at or b elements that i just simply don't like doing so that was my question to, to rolf is like do you if if any do you outsource anything at all <laughs> it's handmade german quality no as i already said in most cases yes sometimes guest musicians kick in especially when when i need uh, vocals or special guitar stuff when i get stuck with samples or sampled licks but that's more the exception so all in all yes a hundred percent rough me myself and i me myself and i yeah It's a lonely, solitary pursuit, being a composer. But then, actually, I think we all kind of secretly like it. Um, another kind of sort of big question that I sort of come across fairly regularly, and even with my own work, is understanding how do you know when something's finished? Because essentially, with unlimited time and unlimited resources, you could probably go on tweaking a piece of work forever. So I put it to Rolf, it's like, how do you know, Rolf, when it's when your piece of work is finished? Okay, um, I think this is, this is purely a matter of a, of a, of a feeling. You know, the dynamic musical flow in a trailer is usually the same. I mean, from the very uh, calmest, lowest bottom to the highest, highest peak and, and even higher. And uh, over the years, you simply develop a, f a feeling and, and an instinct when you decide now it's okay, now it's done. And uh, you really can feel this. 
And if I don't feel it, then I go again on a search for, for additional sounds, for, for a melody, for whatever, until I feel that now everything fits. Or sometimes, of course, it's Mitch listening to the, to the demo and he's pointing out that there's maybe something missing. So basically, Rolf uses the Force, um, which amazing. Who knew he was a Jedi? Uh, I'm obviously being facetious, but it's very interesting to hear us say it's like rather than sort of intellectualizing it and going, yes, this is finished because X, Y, and Z, it's just literally listening to it and it's a feeling. Um, and I think that's very true. Is, and obviously, Rolf uh, alluded there to talking to Mitch, and particularly if you've got someone who's giving you the brief and you're working to brief and someone else is listening and providing feedback, that can be hugely invaluable. And I do that quite a lot um, with my work with ASX, where I, I run a writer's circle and I listen to music, um, you know, uh, submissions for briefs. Um, and generally my f the first pass when listening to something is like literally closing your eyes listening through from start to finish and noting are there any particular areas where you feel like you've been pulled out of the journey and if so those are probably areas that need to need to be looked at um and i think yeah that's that's a feeling and then understanding it obviously you then have to understand okay well what can i do to 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 solve that um, but yeah, interesting. I was interested, I'm always interested to know because I think um, quite a few people I know, myself included, dabbling, but when you do music for the love of it and you end up doing it as a career, um, obviously then I've certainly found my, my own relationship to music has changed somewhat. Um, and I'm always interested to know how, and I suppose this is the sort of line between art and commerce again, but it's almost how do you approach making music for a client differently to how you would approach making music for yourself assuming that you do actually sort of make music uh, on your own because i know a lot of people who spend so much time making music that they have no interest in doing sort of their own personal projects but so that was my question to rolf is like how do you how does your approach change um whether you're making uh, music for a, for a client or you know literally just for yourself as a sort of passion project oh um i have to say i just make music here in my own studio and of course at the same time, I make, I make it also for me. Um, I'm very happy with this situation. That, that's enough for me. Um, so if you like, no music outside these walls, but this sounds strange. Well, the only time you can see me playing an instrument at home is surely at Christmas in the family circle armed with an acoustic guitar. Okay, so I think uh, <laughs> Rolf's probably one of those people that uh, after spending a whole day making music um, for, for, for a client maybe doesn't dabble in um, making music for himself other than around Christmas time with the family. Um, I'm always interested as well to know, I mean, Rolf seems so kind of relaxed and chilled and I sort of always wonder kind of what, you know, on a personal level, what, Rolf, what do you do to relax when you're not making music other than having a sing-song around the campfire at Christmas? Oh yeah, I love to do tebow lessons. You know this kickboxing aerobic thing? Well, I'm afraid that's not the classic way to chill out, but it's something completely different than uh, sitting here and, and writing trailer stuff. And I'm living here in a beautiful area in the very south of Germany, nearby the biggest lake of Germany, the Lake of Constance. So it's big fun to to ride the bike through this amazing landscape and that's where and how i charge my batteries 
What better way to relax than kicking someone's head in Thai boxing? Obviously, again, I'm having a laugh, but um, yeah, it's always something I completely see. It's like it's like Rolf is me. It's like everything he does. I'm like, I'm a huge advocate of of, of exercise. I kind of really feel a healthy body is a healthy mind, and actually. Um, best way to relax is to get the heart rate up get the blood pumping get the oxygen circulating um and um kick someone's head in um another i know a composer called justin i won't say his surname but he once quoted uh, he does jujitsu and he says don't underestimate the uh, don't underestimate the power of choking out another dude um which scared me and amused me in equal measure but I think for me, there are. I'm kind of weird in that I'm very, very picky about music. I have a very eclectic taste, but there's certain things which really get me excited um, uh, in musically. Um, and I was interested to know with Rolf. Okay, so Rolf, what is it? Are the particular? I'm thinking sort of. Is it particular genres of music, types, styles, whatever? What What is it that um, gets you excited in terms of listening to music? Of course, I listen to music, Jim. I listen to music all the time. Well, deep in my heart, I'm a passionate funk and soul fan, if you like. My heroes are, just to name a few, um, Michael McDonald, Chaka Khan, Justin Timberlake, Prince, but of course also music that comes with my job. Big names in scoring films like, like um, Thomas Newman, John Powell, Christopher Beck, Hans Zimmer. You know, the famous sentence... I like everything that sounds good. No matter what genre also applies to me. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't care about if it's rock, pop, country, metal or, or classical music. As a media composer, you have to be open for everything. Because on the other side, you have to be able to deliver anything at any time. Oh, Rolf, it's like you're my brother from another mother. Um, as I too am a massive funk and soul fan. Not sure I'd class Justin Timberlake as funk, but certainly, uh, yeah. Um, and there's something else that I think Rolf touches on there, which is really important, is um, being able to draw on, you know, even though he does trailer music, being able to draw on influences from funk or rock or pop or anything like that to bring that into his music, even if you're know, primarily doing sort of orchestral scores, that's a great way to sort of start to define your own sound and, um, you know try and bring a bit of irreverence to to what it is you do which i think is it's not as easy as it um as it should be uh, or certainly sounds um another question i'm always interested in with people is like you know are there specific resources like books or courses or films or certain things which they feel have been invaluable to them as part of their career and part of their journey sort of almost seminal seminal moments where consumption of some media has sort of led to an aha moment so that was my question to rolf is like you know um are there certain books or anything that you feel have been invaluable to your career you know jim i'm a i'm a big movie fan since my early youth so seeing all those films over the years for decades being emotional touched by the story is one of the of the basic principles of my inspiration also being outside in the nature is a very important resource traveling discover other countries that's inspiring F far away from from any piano outboard gear or plugins definitely definitely feel on that from rolf finding inspiration is generally all around us in the world rather than just necessarily but certainly films um, john williams 
God, what that man has done to me over the years. Um, and I've never even met him and I've let him get away with it. Um, I've sort of like a, not necessarily a professional question, but a kind of more of a humanist question is like, Rolf, what scares you? I'm afraid of corruption. I'm afraid of exploitation and abuse. It worries me how much we humans are increasingly distancing ourselves from from nature. How we forget the real and, and so important connections and dependencies. It worries me that after all we should have, have learned from our history, we still see incompetent people coming to power and and leadership. And it worries me that one day our children will have to live on a planet that must redefine itself from our mistakes, from our failures. A world defined by extreme um, weather conditions, a world if, if we could choose we didn't want to live in. Hopefully we all can change this somehow before time is running out. Yeah, I, 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 can't, understand, I can't understate how almost every question I put to Rolf, his reply is probably what I would reply. Um, corruption and uh, at the time of recording this, um, huge issues in society huge issues around the world in the uk massively but also globally is like the quality of leaders and um, and leadership and degradation of the environment and oh there's so much but yeah um i think you me and a lot of other people rolf um and sort of one of my final questions to rolf and to every all of my guests is i'm always sort of interested i think I would never want to go back and change history because I think we are the product of all of our experiences. But um, if you could go back in time, what piece of advice would you give your younger self? Like, hey, little Rolf, listen, here's my advice. <laughs> um, yeah, interesting. Let's see. Now, as a man in the mid-50s, my advice would be always believe in uh, creating things that seems to be impossible for yourself. Uh, you will be surprised how often you can expand your own boundaries. See if you could every mistake or failure as a, as a, a small pushback into the right direction. Try it. S stay on different roads, discover different roads, be patient and be open-minded. It really is like Rolf is a like a German Buddha. Um, he is so wise and it's so true. Um, the idea that impossible is nothing. Um, I think maybe is it Adidas or Nike has stolen that from him. Um, and also the idea of failure. Um, the failure is actually a part of the process and what is experience but a series of mistakes from which we learn. Um, so, yeah, very wise words um, and kind of inspiring. Such an inspiring guy. And I literally approached Rolf. Uh, we didn't really know each other. I approached him cold um, and just I hope you 
hope you think the same. I think he's just such a kind of like a, such a warm and, and wise and sort of talented guy. And um, yeah. So my final question, and this is, I know that a lot of people out there kind of get get excited about gear. Um, so my final question to um, to Rolf is. What are you? What what are your plugins you're using? What outboard gear you can see on the video? If you're watching the video of this, that Rolf's got quite a bit of outboard gear in the background. So yeah, let's talk gear, Rolf. What are you using? Yeah, I would love to. Of course, let's let's check my gear list. Um, let's start digital. I'm working with Cubase in connection with Vienna Ensemble Pro, including another PC and Mac for you know for more sample library power. By the way, I started working with Steinberg from the very beginning, back in the 80s, with a Commodore 64. It's, it's unbelievable. Okay, almost in or on every track I produce, you will for sure hear a Lexicon native reverb, a lot of sound toy stuff like the Crystallizer and Panman. I love the plug and mix analoger and clarisonics distortion stuff like Divestor from the D60 group, the Culture Vulture from Universal Audio. Let's dive into uh, compression. I often use the, the Casrock Hot Iron plugin or the, the Fairchild plugin from UAD, the Nomad Factory Magnetic 2 I love a lot. And if we look in to the EQ section, always on board is the is the Isotope Neutron EQ, the Gulfos EQ, the Mac EQ from Plugin Alliance. And talking about uh, sample libraries I own, and there are so many, I guess too many, I'm afraid. But always involved and and combined are libraries from, uh, you know them all: Cine samples, Cinematic Studio sounds, Orchestral Tools, of course, Heavio City. Performance samples, Spitfire Audio, Boom Library, um, Keep Forest, just to name a few. And uh, a short look, if you like, into my hardware gear list. I own a Dave Smith Pro 2, a Novation Peak, a Yamaha CS6, and I also, uh, I also still use the Roland Sample Player SP700. Um, if it comes to the mix down, I count on my Avalon 747 compressor EQ strip, the Dangerous Bax EQ, the TC4000, and the Lexicon 300 reverb, and a very special distortion unit, the um, Culture Vulture Super 15, or the Electron Analog Heat, which I use a lot. Also, last but not least, the TC Finalizer is a very important piece in my mastering chain. Well, that was an absolute porn fest with regards to gear, wasn't it? But um, yeah, it's interesting. I, what, the question I didn't get to put to Rolf was, in terms of his, his chain, how much of that outboard gear is um, is involved. Um, I am firmly in the camp where I believe, particularly when composing in the box, using sample libraries, that putting music through outboard gear, putting it through circuits, putting it through analog gear and adding sort of that harmonic distortion does do a lot. And there are a lot of people out there who claim it doesn't, but I'm certainly a massive advocate of it. And um, if you listen to some of Rolf's stuff, I think... Um, you can you can hear it so yeah thank you huge thank you to rolf for taking the time to chat to me um 
between the airing of this episode and me us talking, there was a huge amount of time passed, um, and I was absolutely adamant that I was going to honour the fact that Rolf took the time to talk to me, um, and hopefully that has been sort of inspiring for for you. Um, I just always think it's kind of interesting to know how other people work and, and just to kind of share ideas. You know, technically we're we're all composers, but the idea of us being competitors I don't like. I think we're um, stronger together in a collaborative nature than we are as competitors. So uh, thank you, Rolf Anton Kruger, for your time and um, and for your beautiful music. Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, and given that you've listened this far, I feel you might have, then I would be honoured and incredibly grateful if you could take a moment to subscribe, rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. By subscribing, you'll automatically be notified each time a new episode drops. And by rating the show, you tell the artificial intelligence that will soon be running the world that this podcast is worth listening to. I certainly get a lot of insights and value from these conversations, and I genuinely hope you do too. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email me, podcast at larpmusic.com. Larpmusic.com is my digital abode, and the home of the podcast is larpmusic.com forward slash sync music matters podcast. And sync music matters podcast is hyphenated. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.